want to welcome everyone to the service today. It's such a privilege to see you all, and I count it a great, great privilege to stand before you to bring the word of God. I have had the awesome privilege and very unique privilege to be standing before God's people since I was four years old. Not that I was preaching at four, but I've been privileged in church life to be in front of people. And uh, ever since that first experience that I had by that elder that called me to come and demonstrate something for the church, and I saw that 600 people were so excited at the little thing I did for about three or four minutes in that demonstration, it occurred to me that the stage is a powerful place. I was only four years old. And I understand that it can influence life. It can, whatever comes from here can make lives or my lives. So I don't take it as a, I don't take it for granted at all. And so I want to thank God for your lives. And I want to thank God for this privilege. And to those of you who are worshiping with us online or watching this later on or listening to the audios, I say God bless you. Keep sharing. Keep sharing on Facebook. Keep sharing uh, the messages, especially those on audio. We are on Virtually every platform, even in Amazon Music, you will find us there, LiveGate Outreach Center, the audios, you can share them, uh, you can listen to them in your private times, and so on and so forth. And the series that we run are always within four weeks, five weeks, or eight weeks, or 12 weeks at the most. By the grace of God, we have just come to the end, and uh, this is the last session of a new, of the first series of the year called the Embracing, Embracing the Creation Mandate series. Embracing the Creation Mandate. And you can see our five topics for the year in the banner. And on today's topic, we are looking at the mandate of dominion. I would like to urge you, because of time, and there's so much I want to say today that I just have to uh, try my best to fit it into the time that we've got, because this is really the most significant aspect, not that everything we've been discussing is not or are not important, but this particular theme is so important because if you read the Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, it was the first thing God pronounced, and then he took a step back and talked about fruitfulness. He said, I will make sure that they have dominion, and then he talked about fruitfulness. He talked about uh, multiplication. He talked about replenishing, and then he said, they will have dominion. So let's start from there again as we read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Our title today is The Mandate of Dominion. Everybody, let's read it together. We've done that for the last few weeks. Let's do it again. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over everything creeping through, keep creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. Now, everybody. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. Everybody, let's read that loud. Then God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion. Say to your neighbor for me, have dominion. This is God's intention. 
In fact, in verse 26, if you go back to it, it said, let us create man in our own image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. We must understand that what God has given to man is something he has. Something of his own nature. Something of his person. And he said, I am allowing them to have it. Before that time, he was demonstrating this dominion over the heavens and the earth through the power of creation. And the Bible says he was preaching, he was He was bringing those things to come to pass by the power of his word. And he was saying things and decreeing things and they were coming out and he himself was assessing them and he said they were good. He said, now that's dominion. That is power that I have. Now I am creating, we are creating, we, the God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, are creating this man in our image, not like any other animal. And we're going to give them that same ability to have dominion to be in charge, to be in control. So to have dominion means that we have the power to exercise total control. Somebody say total control. We have the power to exercise total control over all creation with the exception of controlling other humans. There is power in every man to control whether that person is born again or not. As long as you are born into this world system, we have said that over the weeks, that the pronouncement over the man Adam goes for every human being. Then obviously we understand in time that because man fell, there is a new creation that allows man to regain the last form of control and power that he gave to the enemy, which is the power, the spiritual control. As far as physical and intellectual control is concerned, every human being has in them the ability to control the resources of the earth, to control the animals, to control the plant, as we will soon see. So it is very important that we understand, but God never gave man the right to control another human being. Sadly, part of the perversion that the enemy brought is to walk in men to seek to control other men to control weaker men, to control more gullible men, to control ignorant men. So we have lived through time of history and we have seen political tyrants who have taken advantage of this power welling up on their inside so much that they have controlled thousands and sadly in some cases millions of people to their perils at times to their graves. This has never been the intention of God. About three and a half years ago, almost four, going to four years now, my wife and my, my children, my family and I went to Poland to go and greet a, a very long-standing friend of mine. And we were, when we were in the country, it was a very funny one. We wanted to go. I had a conference that I was to attend in Brazil. And for some strange reason, the thing got canceled last minute. And I felt, well, we've already booked holiday time and all that. Let's go somewhere. And then we just looked. I said, I haven't seen my friend in a long time. We've been friends from teenage, many pre-teenage for many years. And uh, we've been talking about visiting each other and I said, give him a ring. I said, do you mind if I come around with it? He said, fantastic. And so we went off to Poland to cut the long story short. And when we were in Poland, one of the things which became now for me a trip that changed my life that I can never forget was that we had the opportunity of visiting uh, uh, the concentration 
camp at Auschwitz Birkenau. Terrible, terrible history. And um, we, we were able to see what happened. Uh, in fact, some relics of some of the things that happened during Hitler's tyranny in, in Hitler were still there. People's bags, shoes, sadly, people's hair that they kept in that museum now that it is. And many things went through my mind that this is just one human being. One, one. Somebody say one. It tells you how much power a man can and a woman can exercise in this area of dominion. If it is used correctly, you see the right things happen. But when it is used in the negative by the enemy, you see terrible things like that. So we have seen tyrants over the years who sadly have caused a lot of problem and havoc and are still doing so in our world today. That is not the intention of God. And sadly, I must boldly say that even that terrible spirit has come into the church. The body of Christ has a lot of manipulation and control going on by people who claim to profess Christ but are nothing but agents of darkness. Standing on pulpits and manipulating and manipulating the gullible and feeding them nonsense, things that are not of God, but quoting them with the word of God to make it sound like it is spiritual. And sadly, there are thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or if not, I dare say millions all over the world who are falling left, right, and center for this trickery and this very, very deep uh, 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 entrenchment of evil within the so-called body of Christ today. We must understand that God has never created any man to control another man. Everyone who engaged in slave trade and everyone who engaged in those things that are perversive and have exercised this dominion in the negative way have done nothing other than to allow the devil to use the power given by God in them to be able to do this very heinous and uh, terrible acts. I'm saying all this because we must understand that as people who have dominion, we must submit our dominion to God. We must submit it to the Spirit of God so that we continue to shine the light and continue to do whatever the enemy against whatever the enemy is doing by the light that is in us. That is why Jesus said, "You are the light of the world." When you are a city set on a hill, you cannot be hid. You will be a people who will make sure that whatever darkness is covering the earth and the gross darkness that is covering the people that the enemy is still using to, to manipulate people, you will, with the light that I have put inside you, continue to counter the works of darkness. So friends, we have work to do. Everywhere... We have the privilege to shine the light. Let us shine the light. Because there is too much darkness that is oppressing the people. And I want to charge us to understand that you and I have that power in us. God said have dominion. God said have dominion. I want to show you something very quickly that may help you to understand this. God said have dominion. Somebody say I will have dominion. Say I will have dominion. This is two, these are two 20-pound notes. One, two. Let's say that this represents God's dominion. Then he took God's dominion, he took that out of that same thing. You see, they look alike, exactly the same thing. And then he created that dominion 
And he gave it to man. And he said, have dominion. I say, have dominion. I say, have dominion. I say, have dominion. Have dominion. And that's exactly what's happening. Now, I'm God. This is mine now, so forget about it. But that's exactly what is happening. As many who reach out to have it, they have it. As many who reach out, we can all be reading it. We can all be believing it. But only everyone who presses in to have it really has it. In the power tower, bro, Yinka was, okay, Yinka was telling us about how David was a man of the secret place. No wonder he had so much dominion. The Bible says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I won't continue this if I don't give Sister Grace. God bless you. <laughs> Let's clap for Sister Grace. <laughs> God bless you. Now, the truth is that everyone who presses in, like David, press into the secret place of the Most High, the Bible says they shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. They will be like him. So I want us to start this context today to understand that the level of dominion we want to walk in is the degree to which we press into God. Period. The people who press into the devil manifest the devil's dominion. Because he's the God of this world. The people who press into God continue to manifest the dominion that is of God, that is godly, that is powerful. They command their environments. They are like Paul who would boldly say, don't worry anybody, nothing will happen here. I am here. They are people who are pressing into God. They are not people who are wishy-washy, not knowing what they are doing. Gullible people hearing everything everywhere. They are people who know their rights from the word of God. When they hear fallacy and they hear heresy, they know it. They are men and women of dominion. That is what God wants to make you and I in this day and age. And so I want to challenge you today that we must be people who exercise this dominion that will continue to overcome the power of perversion that the enemy has made since he took man in the Garden of Eden. So every created man has been blessed by God to function in this way. Non-exempted. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 we have read. Now let's quickly read Psalm 8 verse 6. Psalm 8 verse 6. He said, you have made him, talking about man, to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Somebody say, all things have been put under my feet. Let's read those things. Verse 6, verse 7. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field. Verse 8. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Hallelujah. I've given you everything. I've given you all the sheep, all the oxen, the birds, the fish of the sea, the land, everything. I've given them to you and I've put them under your feet. So I want us to quickly look at a few areas that God has called us to exercise this dominion. Going from his example, I just listed about four to put them all in the same categories. The first thing that God gave us dominion over that we don't understand and don't use very well is time and orderliness. Somebody said, I have dominion over time and orderliness. 
God showed us how we are to have dominion over time. When he, 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 at creation, he told us everything you see God do in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 25, right before he made man, are replica, are examples of what we are meant to do. Hebrews chapter 1, Bible says, by faith we understand that all things were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are, are, are made of the things which were not seen. The things which are seen are made of the things which are not seen. So he gave us a principle there to understand that our pronouncements are creativity. They are creation power. He showed us that in time, and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, he said, then God said, let there be light. And there was light, verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from darkness. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God, let's read verse 5 together. Everybody go. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. This was how God showed us how, we, how he put time into place. Before this point... Time was still part, whatever existed was just eternity. Pre, eternity pre-time was what was existing. Everything from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 3 was all pre-eternity, it was pre-time in eternity. And a time will still come where we will go into post-time in eternity because eternity has no beginning and has no end. But time was defined by God. And the Bible says he created the light, he created the, the day, and he called it the day, and he called the, the dark the night. And then he said, this is now the first day. Meaning that we have the capacity and the power in us to also spread our day and define our day. What should happen in the day should happen in the day. What should happen at night should happen at night. He only gave us a particular pattern there. This is very important because if there is anything that is separating people, and now I'm talking generally about human beings now, anybody who disciplines themselves and understands the place of time will know how to make the most of time. They will know that time is given to man to be invested. A few weeks, a few months ago, we did a series on the place, and the power and purpose of time. And we were saying these things that time should not, say with me, time should not be wasted. Time should be invested. In some cases, we have to spend time if something has to happen and that is the end of it. You spend time doing it and that is it. But time should be invested. God invested time in day one and then he could see day two and the investment of day two could take him to day three and the investment of day three took him to day four and the investment of day four took him to day five. The investment of day five took him to day six and then he put man in day six because everything from day one to five has been investments in preparation for this man that he was about to make in day six. The power of orderliness. I have said the fallacy of developing countries and developed countries is nothing. The human beings that live in develop, so-called developing countries have two eyes, two ears, one tongue, one head, like the people who are building the so-called developed countries. And in many cases, the people who are in the so-called developed countries building those things, doing the breakthroughs there, have come originally from the so-called developing countries. 
So what is the difference? One of the most significant things is the mastery over time. Show me a society in our day and age that is, that is serious about time management and I will show you a people who will go somewhere. Go to every so-called developing country. One of the first things you will observe is a disregard for time. That is one of the first characteristics. Whether they are yellow color, black color, red color, white color, whatever color. If they are a developing country, study them very well. The first thing you will observe is they have disregard for time. When they say 2 o'clock, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> if you go there and wait at 2, you are <laughs> on your own. <laughs> my father God, my, my late father God bless his soul. If you invited him to a function, I was telling you last Sunday, was it? Yeah. If you invited him to a function and you say it's 2 to 4, he will ask for the program. If you say his speech is coming up at 3 o'clock, when it is 3 o'clock, whether you are the only organizer there, he will stand up and start reading his speech. <laughs> he will be reading his speech, whoever was there, because he has planned that he has to leave there at 4. So when they come later, they say, ah, Dr. Oloke, when will you read your speech? They say, ah, he has read it since. <laughs> he doesn't look at anybody. <laughs> I don't think I have the guts to do that, but he did it very easily without any problem. <laughs> but this is the reality. Because there are, there are, people must understand that a, a disregard for time is, a, is, a, is, is, a, is uh, a, a, an abuse of the power of dominion. Look at what happened to Joshua. We read it in Pastor Moses led us powerfully in Joshua 10 from verse 1. This is an extreme example of a man who demonstrated mastery over time. And if we go to verse 12, we see what happened when God, he saw that God was giving him victory over these people. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. He saw that this was a good day. <laughs> this day is a good day. This day must not be 24 hours. Do you understand what I'm saying? This day must have extra time. This day must have an additional time. We are winning here. We are doing something here. Now, of course, the Bible says no day existed before it and none will ever exist before it. So we are not trying to replicate this at all. But there is a principle here we can learn from Joshua. The Bible says, And then he said in the sight of all Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aijalon. A man who understood that the more we can make of this time, the more the victories and the slaughters will be. When the Bible says the hailstones that were hailed from the heavens by God were destroying more people than the swords of Joshua could ever de defeat. Don't forget, Joshua was a mighty man. He led them to conquer Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. He led them to the battle of Ai and they would have won in Ai, but they were defeated because of the sin of one man called Achan, who stole from the places that God said they should not have stolen from. So Joshua knew warfare, he knew strategy, but something about his life was that he also saw the hand of God. What am I trying to say here about the use of time? Let us understand that every disposition of time that we have must be maximized for the purpose for which God established it. We may not be able to hold back the sun again. We may not be able to hold back the moon over Aijalon again. But we may be able to do something to say, Lord, this is an opportunity here. Give me the wisdom to prioritize the opportunity. Give me the wisdom to engage with it. There are many people who have come into the presence of kings and did not know it. There are many people who have walked into the position that and, and opportunities that would have changed their lives and they could not just see God in it to ask God to make the most of that time. Very sad things. 
when I was a little boy, growing up in Nigeria, my home country, there were many military coups. We would just sleep and wake up and we hear why I general somebody has taken over. That's what that was the order of the day when I was growing up. So we were used to it. It's not like now that there's democratic, well, so-called so democratic government every four years. But so there was this man I revered. My father went to school with the, the man that ruled the country from uh, uh, 1967 to 1966 to 1975 in the person of General Yakubu Gowan. His name is, he's still alive, he's 85 because they are the same age, he's 86 years old now. And uh, uh, I remember as a kid, they took us to see him when he visited where we were living. He called all his classmates together and I, I remember walking into that function, I was barely five years old, but I remember everything. Anyways, one of his anchormen was called General Joe Garber. And this man was the one that now was used to topple him in, <laughs> in, 19, in 1975 when they got rid of him. So I used to revere these men a lot. They looked like mini-gods. You don't see them. You, don't, you know, it's not like now that you have social media and you could uh, just see everybody anyhow and hear from everybody. You only saw them on pages of newspaper and on the radio. When you saw them on TV, you stood there because they were 31. Gohan was 31 when he was a, a, a military head of state. So we used to really respect them. So fast forward, 1996, I was in the Sheraton Hotel and Towers in Abuja. They had long left, left government. This is 20 years after they left government and uh, all these things. And I was about to go into a lift. And as I stood in front of the lift, as the doors opened, who was standing in front of me? General Joe Garba. Only him in the lift. I stood. I couldn't move. <laughs> I couldn't move. Then he held the door. He said, come in, young man. <laughs> I said, me and Joe Garba in one lift. <laughs> I couldn't ever imagine. Now, I was a much older person. This was 20 years after 1976. But I stood there. He said, what are you doing here? Within two minutes, we had a talk that I will never forget in life. He said, what are you doing here? I said, ah, I've come for some meetings. I'm representing a firm and blah, blah. And within those two minutes, I told him the story of my life. <laughs> he said, well done. Keep working hard. And then when he got to his floor, I was going higher when he got to his floor. He said, you take care of yourself, young man. And he walked away. As a human being. But my point is that if I didn't break out of that, my frozen state, I would probably never have spoken to him. <laughs> Make the most of every opportunity. The Bible says we must be making the most of every opportunity. Joshua took the best advantage ever taken in any warfare in, in time. Use the power of dominion to the max. The Bible says never was a day like that. God, he did the voice of one man. There are days you must call God like that. You know something must change for you. And then you are sat there. God presents the opportunity. You cry like Joshua did and ask for something. Joshua asked for the son to stand still. You can ask for audience. You can ask for wisdom to respond. You can ask for something. God will heed your voice as well. I say God will heed your voice as well. In the name of Jesus. In time. Don't lose opportunity. Make the most of time. So our dominion over time means we can utilize time effectively by investing it and also demonstrating the power to prioritize. Know what your priorities are. The Bible says all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. We are a very busy generation. 
You'll be boiling tea. You'll be changing the diaper of the baby. You will be writing your notes. You will be taking a phone call at the same time. And at times, you're even in prayer at church. <laughs> We're a very busy generation, but we must understand how to structure and make sure that we are prioritizing time because God wants us to have dominion in time. Number two, God gave us dominion over plants and trees. And I want you to listen very well now because I know you know this, but there are some things God laid on my heart to share with you. God graciously and generously blessed humans with every seed-bearing plant and every fruit-bearing tree. Genesis 1, 29. Let's read it together. Genesis 1, verse 29. Let's go, everybody. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. To you it shall be for food. Two things I want you to see there, to, to understand there. The word see, somebody say see. See there doesn't just mean look physically. It means understand something. Look beyond what you see in the physical. Look deep. See, I have given you, and it shall be for food. And the word food there is not just about what you consume. Food there connotes food, of course, for eating, but it also connotes medicine. It connotes buildings, crafts. These are things that we can, we can make out of plants, baskets. We weave them, crafts, we weave them out of, out of plants. We, we build with logs of timber. We cut them and make them like we can see in the cubicle behind there. They are from trees. All those timber pieces that we use to build today, they are from trees. The decorations that sell for so much money in this day and age, they are from trees. So when God said, I've given them to you for food, it's not just about consuming the raw product. People who stay at the realm of consuming only the raw product are making less of the dominion power to people who can see beyond the raw product. Again, when I was growing up in northern Nigeria, there was a lot of sugar cane. And this, this, this very wonderful plant can produce, can, can change the economy of a nation. But the people who lived before me, they, they, they ate everything. <laughs> they ate it raw. I don't think there is hope of making anything happen. Everywhere you went when I was growing up was sugar cane. Just people tearing it like that and eating it like that. And this thing, you can synthesize so much sugar from it. People who could see that, yes, you can eat it raw like that with less value, but, or take it and process it into sugar are the ones who have the so-called advanced economies today. See! What do you see? When you look around, what do you see? Now, I'm using these plants, but it applies to everything. A man and a woman who can see beyond what everybody else is seeing will always stay on top. He will always be in charge. He will always have the true dominion. Let us be people who can see beyond the food for eating. Pharmacists will tell us that most drugs and medicinal products today have come from synthesizing different plants. Before pharmacists knew what they were doing, we had people who could locally synthesize some herbs and drink it. We had some trees like that, that if you drink it, whatever kind of fever was inside you, it would just vanish. <laughs> Before you, you will sleep, by the time you wake up, all the fever will go away. 
if they boil the leaves for you, things like lemongrass and uh, this, I don't know the English name of dogoyaro, very powerful. When they mix it together and boil it, you just drink it like tea. Whether it is called malaria, I'm sure even COVID will fear that. <laughs> Please, I did not say drink it when you have COVID. Go and check yourself and go to hospital. <laughs> but I know that as young children, they served me that thing. And my eyes will come clear like this the next day. <laughs> because the man who said, I've given them to you for food. This is why I'm not against medicine at all. Any Christian preaching against medicine is a, is a very foolish person. Very foolish person. God said, I've given them to you for food. That means eat them, use them for medicine, use them for anything that will keep you healthy and, and good. We only don't put our trust in medicine or food. We put our trust in God. But telling people not to use medicine is heretic and we should stop saying those things. It is mumu. It's mumucious. <laughs> those of you that understand will understand. <laughs> Let us not be like that. What angers God is when we put our trust in those plants and those things instead of trusting him for our healing. That is not right. But when God said, I've given you for food, you must understand that that means that you have the power to use them to have those things. Then the animals. Genesis chapter 9 verse 3. So the first thing is we have control over time. The next thing is we have control over uh, plants and trees. Then we have control over animals. Genesis chapter 9 verse 3. He said, every moving thing that lives shall be for what? You see the word there again? Shall be to you for what? For food. He said, I have given you all things just like the green herbs, even as the green herbs. So again, food here connotes food for eating, of course. We are free to eat any animal. We are free to do the things. Of course, God condemned some, mostly for the, in the law because of some of their unhealthy habits and things like that. We don't go into that today. And any, in the New Testament, it was more about food that has been sacrificed to idols. Animals killed and sacrificed to idols. They said we should not eat. But apart from that, you are giving everything for eating. Again, for medicine, for leather, for hides. But one thing I would like us to understand about animals is that God put in every animal a wisdom of life. And in many cases, many wisdoms of life. If you look at the ant, Proverbs 6 says you should go and look at the ant that it is a very disciplined animal. Go and look at the deer. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, as I see the panting of the deer, the desire to get to the water brooks by the deer, he says, so my soul longs after you. The psalmist could compare the panting of the deer to his spiritual hunger. No wonder he understood how to press into God the more. When we look at the lion, the Bible says he is an animal that does not turn away from any. Proverbs chapter 18, the Bible says, verse 1, he said that even though the wicked flees where no man pursues, but the righteous shall be what as bold as a lion. So every time your, your boldness and your courage is threatened, just remember that animal. Go and watch a video of a lion charging at other animals, charging at, a, at an elephant that is twice its size. Go and watch those kind of things. You will find that your faith in the word of God will rise up more just by watching another animal. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the, right, the, the, the righteous shall be what? As bold as a lion. 
And then when you are hearing the growlings around you and growlings of Satan threatening your, your, your life and everything, the Bible makes you want to understand that it is like a roaring lion. It's not able to touch you. That is all the enemy is doing. But if you don't understand the way of that animal, when the lion roars, all the weak animals, they charge in his direction. That is all his roaring is for. He will roar in the jungle. And all the other animals will charge out of confusion. They will charge into his direction. Then he will catch anyone he wants to eat. But the more confident animals and those ones who know that he's just roaring will stay where they are. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we must learn from animals like the lion. We can learn from the path of the eagle. We can see how the eagle disciplines herself and flies at high altitude. Deuteronomy 32 tells us about the way of the eagle. How it flies at high altitude and does not find time to, to, to mix with other lesser birds. And this is why I've always said that every one of us must understand that when we who are supposed to be high-flying Christians, people of spiritual stature, people who know the things of God, are fighting and doing things and playing all kinds of the rat race and getting involved with, with heinous acts and those things that demean humans, then what we are doing is we are not flying like the eagle. We have lowered ourselves to the realm of falcons and pigeons and those other animals that fly at, at, at lower levels. Chickens. We should not be those kind of people. And we can learn a lot. The Bible talks about the power of the horse. I want to bring the horse to a more practical term. The horse was used in the Old Testament. We saw many cases of the horse driving chariots, isn't it? The chariots of kings were pulled by horses. That was Porsche then. People walked on their feet. But the royals would go on their horses and everybody would look at them, just like the royals may be going on their Rolls Royals today and people would line the streets and watch them around Westminster and all those places in London. And people get awed by that, that family. That was how horses used to drive wagons of, of, of leaders and kings in those days and rich people. But... That continued until the late 1800s when a man called Henry Ford, somebody say Henry Ford. Henry Ford sat down and thought, this horse, this animal has something in him, in it, that is a power. And it can drag chariots and drag wagons. Why can't I sit down and think? Why can't we sit down and think and create something that has horsepower? <laughs> And get rid of the horse and put that thing in the same chariot that is driving. At that point, man had already invented the wheel. But nobody ever had enough sense to look at the horse to understand that the horse should not just be an animal that continues to drive and one day die and then they get another horse. But they can create a machine. That is why till today we still say our engines have horsepower. Because of one man who pressed, who saw further than every other man. Fast forward 40 years after that, the Wright brothers felt that if a bird can fly, we should make something that can fly as well. They pressed further. They pressed further and saw how man can conquer gravity with what we now know is the law of lift. Before that time, everybody talked about the law of gravity, law of gravity. Everything goes up, it comes down. It goes up, it comes down. There's nothing you can do. Throw it up, it comes down. And everybody settled there. The right brother said, no, there are some animals that are flying. They take off the ground. What stops them from falling down? They stood and watched and watched and watched. Somebody say, see. 
If you go into your office every day, you go into the same place. After all, this is the work. I take care of this, I do that, that. I do this, I do this. And every day, every day, you will stay at that level. Those who are thinking are seeing that those people who come and say, do it like this, do it like, what do they have? What's their qualification? <laughs> those, that person who is saying, I should join this to join this. Okay, I will do it. But what is his or her qualification? They say, ah, he has this other certificate. Okay, I see. Then I go and look for that certificate too. So that one day, me too, I will come there and say to somebody else, join this and join that. You don't have to just keep praying, Lord, promote me, Lord, promote me, Lord, promote me. Because I'm promoting you, I'm promoting you, I'm promoting you. You're only refusing, you're refusing, you're refusing. See? Then when you get to that level again of those ones that are now saying this and that, you will notice that there is one guy that hardly ever comes there. (laughs) But when he comes, everybody freezes, whoever they are. Ask again, what does he have that I don't have? Tell your neighbor for me, see. Today we celebrate Henry Ford. We celebrate the Wright brothers. Now man has moved those things. The law of lift now is not carrying just small, small aircrafts like the Wright brothers were able to do. Now we carry 600,000 pounds, half a million pounds of weight. We still get it to lift into the air. Amazing things. Yes. Ask your neighbor for me. How far can you see? Tell them. Ask them. How far can you see? How deep can you see? And you know something? It's not rocket science. Just pray. Like Elijah prayed. Elisha prayed for his servant. Lord, open his eyes. That's why every Sunday here we pray for one another. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to what? You. The spirit of what? Revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. That is all I want to say for now. We will will read the rest after. (laughs) The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. You need to know. That marriage is working. They are not lucky. They are not lucky. They are not lucky. They have one head. The man has one head. You have one head as your own your, your life. His wife has one head. Your wife has only one head too. Why are they always smiling? Why are they always enjoying life? See. See. Which may mean at times you ask questions. We have dominion over animals and over everything around us because God is looking to us to be people who can see. Again, I will say, countries where all they see in every animal and every raw product is to eat it and consume it will continue to remain developing. It's not a cause. It's not a cause. We're all talking about sustainability now. Climate change, sustainability, reduce carbon emissions. Do you know what the Japanese are doing now? Everybody is talking. I said I was going to share that thing with you because it's an area of your research interest. Everybody is talking about concrete as one of the biggest emitters and to produce it really takes up a lot of carbon dioxide and gives off you know, very bad emissions. You know what the Japanese have done? Now they have manufactured concrete that consumes carbon dioxide. <laughs> 
You've seen that. Fantastic stuff. So the building that you are worried about, that all you have used to consume it has, has, has now emitted carbon dioxide, they now say, okay, what can we do? If this carbon dioxide is going one direction, what can we do to put something in concrete that will be sucking in this <laughs> carbon dioxide? So they've gone farther than everybody else. They discovered that there are people are becoming 90 and 95. I think pensionable age in Japan now, maybe is 80 or so. <laughs> Because when you see them like that, not tall, but they are strong. When you see a 70-year-old man in Japan, he looks like a 40-year-old. I like that. That's what I want to look like when I'm... <laughs> he looks like a 40-year-old. But they now found that they don't have time for carers. And so they now made a jacket that is like a full robot. You will wear it. It's all flexible. You will wear it. So the hand that could not move before, when, when you... And it's, it's connected to your brain... When your brain is signaling to your hand that it wants to move, that thing sends message to the arm part of the, of the jacket and it empowers your hand to move. You stand up. As you want to move your left foot, that thing sends message to the left. It puts your foot to yourself so you go about your house like that. <laughs> so no more wheelchairs. It's existing today. It's just $5,000 to buy a kit. See, see, see. Some people saw up to wheelchair at a point and felt that is it. Then some people motorized it and felt, ah, it can't be better than this. Now people are wearing jackets. Very soon, it will just be a cap you wear. <laughs> you will just see a 120-year-old man wear cap. <laughs> and he will be coming to your office like that. He will be saying, ah, this man is very old. No, the cap is here. <laughs> Some people have seen that when you wire it to his head like that, everything. <laughs> Friends, there is nothing anywhere. Every man has this power of dominion. Let us exercise it. The last part I want to say before I now talk about, of course, what now concerns us as Christians alone is the fact that we have power over the land, the sea, and the air. Psalm 115, verse 15. He said, May you be blessed by the Lord. Who made heaven and earth? The heaven and the earth. The heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, Psalm 115, verse 16. The earth he has given to the children of men. Someone say, the earth he has given to me. So everything you see on the earth is possible. This means that man can explore, cultivate, and build on land. My favorite building that I talk about, the Burj Khalifa in, in Dubai, one of the most fantastic and, you know, so well-thought-out buildings of our times. Tallest by many standards. 826 meters in the air, almost one kilometer high. This building sits on 150 pile foundations that are 50 meters each because man can explore, cultivate, and build on land. Man conquered the desert sands of Dubai that cannot hold anything and put structures that are five times, ten times the weight of the heaviest buildings existing. The mind of a man has dominion truly. Explore and gain from the treasures of the sea. Man deep dives today and see many animals beneath the sea and they, they learn the power to invent submarines. They explore and harness the potentials of the wind and the air to generate energy, fly, and do much more like I've said. Somebody say with me, it's all about observation perception and revelation say observation perception and revelation 
Whatever you see. When Noah built the ark, he used only the raw materials of this life that was existing to him. But the wisdom to which, the extent to which God gave him wisdom was what he used. Do you know everything that we use today to make computers and make planes and build robots have existed since Noah's time? There's nothing new. All the raw materials that we use today to make all those things have existed since Noah's time. But the extent to which Noah saw, which was fantastic for his time, was what he did. Let us not stop. We must be people who pray. That is where revelation comes. But observe, perceive, learn, see what God is saying around you so that you can have dominion indeed. I decree that the grace for dominion comes upon you afresh. In the name of Jesus. There was a man the Bible called Uzziah in 1 Chronicles 26 who built engines. He built engines. It amazed me the first day I saw it. He built engines. Fantastic. He built engines by the wisdom of God. Having said all that, the fall of man meant that man lost spiritual control. Today, man still has physical, intellect, emotional control, no doubt. But man lost spiritual control to the devil by deception. So when Jesus came, what he came to restore, you will notice in all this series we have talked about the general commission, the general mandate to all mankind to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth. That applies to everyone born. Then we have always distinguished how the new creation has brought about a higher order or a different dimension to the same mandate. So the mandate of dominion goes a little bit further for the children of God who now have, who are now the sole custodians of the spiritual authority over the devil. The devil took it from man in the Garden of Eden, but he, didn't take, he couldn't take away the physical and emotional and soulish dem, the, uh, dominion from man. But he took the spiritual dominion away from man. Jesus came and he restored it. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The Bible says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Let's read verse 19 together. Let's read verse 19. Very important. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20. Nevertheless do not rejoice in this but that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because what? Your names are written in heaven. This is what we should be celebrating as Christians. Whilst I talked about all those things that are good to have inventions are good. Creativity is good. I believe in advancing one's life and keep going in the realms of, uh, you know, uh, strata of life professionally. I believe very much in professional development and advancement. But all that is going to end here. It's all going to stop here. None of that is going to go with us to heaven. But at least we will use it to be able to propagate the real kingdom that we belong without a shadow of a doubt. So we must continue to press into it. But he said we should not rejoice in that. The greatest joy we have as Christians is the fact that our names are written in heaven. I have, by the grace of God, with this, my two hands, been part of many, many glamorous projects that today I look back and see the pictures of those wonderful, beautiful that I am very, very pleased that in my lifetime I could be a contributor to some of those 
wonderful things that we are doing in this day and age. But you know something? Every day I think much more about John chapter 14 verse 1. That in my father's house, Jesus said to me, there are many, many mansions. <laughs> he said, if it were not so, I would not have told you. And I go there to prepare a place for you. This is my daily desire that I may not miss those mansions. No matter how big a mansion is that you live in this world, no matter how smooth a car is that you drive. And I tell you, I've driven all kinds of cars in my life. Some of the cars we drive these days are just, just something else. Let me just say, they're just something else. Compared to, some of you don't know. Those of us that have been driving for over 30 years will tell you there are some cars that you don't drive, they drive you. <laughs> in our time, there are some cars that when you come out, after 10 kilometers of driving, you need a massage for all your life. <laughs> because you, to the, the steering wheel, to go around the bend, you would. Ah. <laughs> you have to position yourself in one, or if not, you hear a snap. No power steering, nothing like that. Nothing like that. My first, my father's first Toyota Corolla. When, when he came, we were like, hey, dad, <laughs> this is it. I remember in 1975, we said, dad, this is it. This is Porsche, man. That, <laughs> that car, it had two, the, the, the side mirrors on the bonnet in front, and they are manual. So my dad was sitting. He said, David, help me adjust the mirrors. So I'll go and stand there and say, is it good now? He said, no, turn to the left. So if you don't know anything, you know, I'll turn it. He said, hey, stop there, stop there. So I'll stop there. <laughs> but you know the funniest part? In, in Kano, in northern Nigeria, there were many people who rode uh, cycles, uh, bicycles. And they used to wear this Nigerian big, big gown. So it would be flowing like that as they are riding. So where we are going... <laughs> Somebody's big guy will just hook the mirror <laughs> and turn it to this guy. <laughs> My dad will be going in the car. Oh no, this guy's not. <laughs> then we'll pack. He say, David, I know my job. <laughs> I'll go out very quickly. I'll hold the mirror for you. <laughs> Is he okay? Ah, <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> I need to be telling you some of these stories because some of you never knew this kind of thing. So today, if I enter my car and the mirror adjusts itself for me, don't blame me at all. I have suffered because of side mirror before. <laughs> now, because I programmed three sitting positions. So if I put sitting one, everything, my seat, everything, the mirror, they adjust themselves for me. If I want to recline a little, I put sitting two. The thing will give me more comfort and adjust again. So if you see me doing that, don't say, Pastor, you are lucky. No, I have suffered under canoe sun. <laughs> Adjusting mirror in the, in the bush. <laughs> So when I saw a car that did it automatically, I said, I wonder why. <laughs> to pay for all the years of... <laughs> but you know something? No matter how advanced we get in this life with these things, they're going to pass away. They're going to pass away. Everything, everything, everything. Don't kill yourself over anything in this life than to be pleasing to God. I finally charge you again from Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is what it's all about. And he said to them... Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. We don't have enough time now. But one by one you can go through them. You will cast out demons. I say you will cast out demons. He said in my name. 
They will speak with new tongues. We cast out demons because we will be confronting with our new spiritual authority in Christ. We will be confronting the works of darkness everywhere we see it. And we will be taking authority. I say you will be taking authority. This is your dominion mandate as a child of God. You cast out demons. It is not a show. It is not a, a, a program that we have to organize to, for people. Every believer has the power in his name to cast out demons. There is no deliverance minister anywhere. You are the deliverance minister yourself. You have to believe it. Don't say, I'm going to one deliverance minister to deliver me. What are you? Are you a robot? You are a child of God. Look at, read, read it with me. Go back to verse 16. Go back to verse 16. Verse 16, please. He who believes. Do you believe? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. Now go to verse 17. Verse 17. And let's read together. And these signs will follow those who believe. Some of the people who believe. The pastors who believe. The deliverance ministers who believe. By the way, have you ever seen deliverance minister in the Bible? There's nothing like that. Prophet, yes. Pastor, yes. Teacher, yes. Apostle, yes. Evangelist, yes. Deliverance minister, no. No. If you believe you are the deliverance minister of yourself and your household, in my name, they who believe will do what? Cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, which means, the Bible says, he that speaks, 1 Corinthians 14.1, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That means they will be able to edify themselves. The Romans 8.26 says that they will be able to pray in groanings that cannot be uttered because the Spirit of God will pray for them. And then 1 Corinthians 12 says that they will be able to speak in tongues and the diverse gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues which means that they will also be able to some of them in such in such cases because those are the gifts of the spirit will be able to have the gift to understand what god is saying and speak it in a tongue and others will be able to interpret it to help the body of christ to come together he said they will speak in new tongues let's continue to read it he said and if they they will take up what serpents verse 18 they will take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it will by no means hurt them. Finally, they will do what? They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Say, I have the power to do all this. Say, I have the dominion power to do all this. And from today, say, from today, I will cast out demons. From today, I will speak with new tongues. From today, I will take up serpents and any deadly thing and they will not hurt me. From today, I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In the name of Jesus, stand to your feet right now and begin to receive it for yourself. Well, well.